I saw that guy on Facebook Marketplace the other day selling that Canon RF, uh, what is it, 800 millimeter mm-hmm. f 5.6 lens. Yep. $14,000. That's a pretty good deal. Have, have you ever, do you think there's a situation where you would buy anything that costs $14,000 on Facebook Marketplace? Maybe like a car. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like sight unseen. Like like this person does not live in this area. You're going to buy this thing. You've like just seen a like couple ship pi- it to me? Yeah, you've just seen a couple of pictures. You're going to buy it. You, are you paying $14,000 on Facebook? No. Hard pass. <laughs> I would pay. I would pay the extra two thousand dollars to get it brand new. Yeah, there's, I know. there's no way. The guy bought the lens on January fourth, twenty twenty three. He's selling it. What? <laughs> Why not just take it back? <laughs> return it. Just return it. That's a red flag. <laughs> Don't buy that lens. Don't do it. Do you think that? I think I, I think I messaged you this. Do you think an R five with that lens takes better pictures than? A sorry, it obviously does. Does it take more better pictures than an XH2 with the 150 to 600 such that it justifies the cost? That's a good question. You did say more better, so I don't know what the relative you know frame rates of those two cameras are in photo mode. I mean, you might might get more shots out of the XH2s. Yeah, you, well, not the 2s, just, uh, just the two. But yes, you probably still would get more shots out yeah. of it. My guess is that the R5 would be better because it's a it's a prime. It's well, an 800 millimeter prime. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna look better but the xh2 can shoot farther it's more closer to 900 than 800 <laughs> that's true uh you're not going to notice the f-stop difference at that at that length like i yeah. seriously doubt you could tell the difference in in depth of field how much is that 150 to 600 it's two thousand dollars my guess is that the the eighteen thousand dollar lens probably looks better oh well obviously it looks better but <laughs> my question is you're, you're yeah you got a four thousand dollar combo and you have a twenty thousand. So you're asking, combo. is it five times better? Is it five times better? I, I bet it is not five times better. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I need. Cast. I need that that YouTube video. I'm gonna contact Canon later, and I'm gonna say, "You don't know me, pal." That's a great intro. Yep. And I'll say, but I think that an XH2 with the 150 to 600 can take a better picture than an R5 with your dumb 800 millimeter lens, and they're gonna be like. This is, a, this is a rude way to start a conversation, <laughs> but no. And we're like, prove it. <laughs> send me this. Send me that. Send me this eighteen thousand dollar lens. Send me twenty thousand dollars worth of gear. <laughs> well, let me it's know how that work. goes. It's gonna work. Okay. Yep. I'm just. I'll, I'm gonna start drafting that email right now. They don't know who I am. I have. I have a podcast. You realize that's a problem, right? That they don't know who you are. That's 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 a headwind. That's a headwind, oh, no, as they would say. Oh jeez, uh, shoot. Hmm. I'll have to work my way up through um, other creators uh, until until I can get my one on one with that Canon person. Yeah, it's a long long road to get there. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel, and I'm Lucas, and we're back today to talk more about the gear we use for photo and video. All right. Well, what are we talking about today? Well, first off, Wawa over here with all their budget anamorphic stuff came out with some new lenses and I want to talk about it. Sounds good. You're going to have to pronounce the name of these for me. It is not pronounced Prometheus. I, I would have gotten that wrong. I think maybe like Proton mixed with Gladius, which is not a word. So let's go with Proteus. It sounds like a medical condition. It sounds like a 
like a space horror movie. Like, you, you need to work on that. Yeah, add, add that to the list. I mean, well, there's like, what what was what was that one about, what, about the with the the spaceship that was traveling through time but went to hell instead? I don't think I'm familiar with this movie. It's um, it's not Epoch. It's not Ecuador. That's a country. Uh, boy, this is really important. We can't talk about anything else until I figure this out. <laughs> God, it's got uh, it's got what's his name from Jurassic Park in it? Sam Neil. Jeez, does it start with an E? Let me just Google it real quick. Sam, this is very good radio. Sam Neil Space. They're losing it. They're losing it out there. Oh, Lucas. Obviously, it's Event Horizon. See, starts with an E. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. So what we're looking at here is the Lawa Event Horizon Anamorphics. Still a good name. Probably, it is. Yeah, that would probably be a better name than what they chose. I don't know. Anyway, new lenses. You know, we all we all love the nanomorphs. You know, great with not having a weird squeeze change whenever you do the focus. Super cheap, super cool, really small. Really interesting video by Make Art Now on those. If mm-hmm. you're interested in learning more, mm-hmm. I still painfully want to buy an anamorph, but I don't have a good reason to. Mm. I need to have the scripts done for some other projects, and then and then I'll be able to justify it. So we'll see. But these bad boys, they're super thirty-five which, as we have previously discussed, is the, the one true sensor size for movie making. It's definitely your favorite sensor yeah. size. Yeah, as, as God intended, <laughs> Super 35. So I think I wrote here in the, in the show notes, ya boy. <laughs> and they're 2x squeeze. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. Those ones we talked about a few weeks ago were like 1.33 or something. Yeah. The Nothing. One, mm-hmm. Those were the, those were those Viltrox fancy pants. Uh, yeah. Those are, those are cheaper though. Those are like $2,000. These ones, $5,000. Wow. That's quite a bit more. But. You can only buy four of those for the price of that uh, 800 millimeter setup. Exactly. Oh man. Actually, so you can buy, they sell these as a kit. You could buy all of these lenses for $2,000 more than that 800 millimeter so so what lenses are those okay so they come with the 35 45 60 and 85 okay so you get four lenses and normally they'd be five thousand dollars each but you can get this kit for what like 16 18 thousand for all four so they'll give you they'll sell you a kit of two they'll sell you one at a time or they'll sell you the kit of four pretty cool yeah they are because it's a package you know you got you got your set of cine lenses uh, they're all one single filter, filter thread. I don't know if you're looking at it yet, but can you want to guess the filter thread size? I mean, the last one was, the last one that you said was 92. These are super 35. I want to say 82. 105 millimeters. <laughs> what? I guess it's the 2X squeeze. Yeah. That must be why. They're huge. 105. I think you have to use a matte box for that. Oh, for sure. There's no way you can even buy a circular filter that size. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it would be cheaper to get a Mac box. So yeah. Mac, Mac box, Mac, Mac box, Mac box. Yeah. A Mac box is what they call Match the box. studio. Matchbox, yeah. the cars. Yeah. So T2, pretty fast. That is pretty good. Pretty yeah. fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. So these, I mean, these seem pretty good for, for, if you're looking for a 2X squeeze on anamorphic, that's a pretty good squeeze. Yeah. And I mean, like, like we said, you know, cheaper, you can go with the Viltrox. Those are PL mount. These are PL mount. But, mm, I mean, 2X squeeze, like, I don't think you can find a lens cheaper than these for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that might be true. I know you can get, like, the 1.5 with the nanomorphs, and that's cheaper, but, yeah. Yeah, that is. But, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Like, if you're going for an an anamorphic look, 
the more squeeze you have, the more pronounced mm-hmm. the look is and the like the bending of the corners and the oval bokeh and that stretched, you know, beautiful anamorphic yeah. anamorphic look. The it, more squeeze, the more better. Yeah, it's more anamorphic. It's more I mean it is. Literally. It is more yeah, yeah, it's literally more anamorphic. So I mean going for going for the two X seems good. These are clearly geared towards cinema shoots. I mean the nanomorph stuff is like you know, you want to start getting into anamorphic and you have, you know, a Fuji camera or a right. Sony camera and you just, you just want to do it. Right. These ship on PL mount. Mm-hmm. They are for filmmaking. And you can buy, or sorry, they ship with a EF mount as well. So, like, you okay. can just pull That's the convenient. PL mount off, put the EF mount. It's got the back focus on the on the rear of the lens. Mm-hmm. So, you can, you know, set them up for whatever you're going to do. Yeah. You can buy a 1.4X speed booster for them. Um, they just have that as part of the kit. If that, you need and that it, would be to so what what it's what, for full frame coverage. If you need to shoot in large format, because that's what the anyways. If you need to shoot at on a on a thirty five millimeter you know full frame size sensor, you can get a one point four x, and they call it a uh, what do they call it here? It's the opposite of a speed booster. No, I mean it's it's a specifically for that for the adaption. If you do one divided by one point four, it's point seven one. But what I mean is this does the opposite of what a speed booster does because a speed booster lets you use a full frame lens on a super thirty five sensor. Right. And oh. this is the opposite because this is a super thirty five lens on full frame. Jeez, that's pretty You're weird, right. isn't it? Yeah, I didn't even think about it as. Oh no, my brain, my brain hurts. It's like a speed slower. It's a slow. A, like, oh jeez. I, I actually do wonder what that does to the uh, to the T value. Well, I mean, it, it just op, op, oppositeizes it, right? So it makes it worse, right? It, it makes, makes it worse. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's like you know, these are T two lenses. You put a one point four on there, it's going to be a T two point eight. Yeah. Right. Pretty pretty T2 interesting. Two times four. Yeah, two point eight. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Wow, geez, I didn't think about it as a speed not booster. <laughs> well, I did the math and everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's just like a regular. It's the other way around. Yep. But anyway, so it has the glass elements and everything in it that you can buy to mate these to a full frame lens. So if you need to put it on your Canon 5C or something like that, mm-hmm. 5, R5C. 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 And then you, you could do it. I mean, that's probably not what you're putting it on. It's more of like if you're shooting on a on like a C300 and a C200 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all these YouTubers out there with their full frame cameras, so True. you got know, got to yeah. do something for them. If you were going to rent, I know this is like a totally different class, but if you were going to rent like Cook 2X anamorphics, I mean they they basically cost $5,000 for a weekend. Yeah. That puts it in perspective. If you're working on a project that's going to take you a while, these are probably going to yeah. save you a lot I of mean, money. I mean, they're they're a fourth the cost of any of these other potential, mm-hmm. you know, anamorphic lenses of similar style. And I mean, they're it's straight up, you know, this is the budget option for your for your film shoot. Yeah. And I kind of that kind of makes it really cool. I mean, they have they have all the features, right? Like here's the set filter thread. They have the back focus. You can swap out the lens mounts. You can put them onto full frame with this adapter, and then you can also buy them in the in the different flare styles. So they are using doing that flare coding. That feels like a weirdly specific thing to allow. I'm not aware of any other anamorphic lens manufacturers that are like, and you get to pick the color of your flare. Yeah, it that did, feels very uh, YouTuber because they did that on the nanomorphs too. Yeah, they and, did. And it makes a little more sense in the nanomorphs than it does here. Because like right. if I'm buying, I mean, how much are the nanomorphs? Like a thousand each? Yeah, about if a thousand I'm, bucks. If I'm buying a thousand dollar lens, like I could imagine saying, oh, I want this cool look. But man, if I'm spending five thousand dollars on it, I'm not going to buy all three. Like I'm not going to buy red, red, orange and silver. So like it's kind of weird to have that choice. I find I do find it strange in that, you know, if you're shooting on anamorphic for the way that it looks and you're thinking of like, Oh, I had these 1980s, 1970s anamorphic lenses. They didn't put sp- 
to my knowledge. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but they didn't put special coatings on those things to make them streak a certain way. But it feels like Lau is leaning into it. They're like, man, these are for people who they they just they're just getting into anamorphic and they're doing it specifically so they can have this whatever look. Mm-hmm. And so they just really want those flares. And so we're going to make these things flare really hard. And if you go back and watch, you know, like make art now's video on the um, the Lau is it can kind of be a problem. Yeah, it it's, can be too much. It's really cool to get flares, but honestly, if you're trying to, sh- to shoot something and the flare is just like cutting your talent's face in half because you accidentally have a light in the shot and you're like, well, I wanted the flares, but I don't need it that hardcore here right now. Right. Or if you're outside and you're like, oh no, now I have a blue flare, but it's, it's warm outside and it doesn't make sense and that's where... Or, whatever i don't know it feels weird i would much rather like let it flare naturally because it's going to being mm. an anamorphic lens and like don't put the coatings on it yeah. so to me you got to go silver flare because that's the most neutral option yeah i think you're probably right it's at least the safest choice i mean i'm sure there's somebody out there with the budget just buy them all and then it'd be cool if it's the right color for what you right. need but i mean it, it's, it's going to be stylized and yeah. it's going to have the cool look but it's also like you know you may have situations shooting with these cheaper anamorphic lenses where you're like man i just we now we have to light this scene differently than what i had right. in my head because the way the flares are hitting just isn't yeah. working that wouldn't be a good feeling no it wouldn't necessarily but like that's kind of what you get for yeah. spending fifty thousand dollars less on your lens package <laughs> yeah yeah that's true but budget's budget right yeah I think the the focal lengths in these are a little strange. They, yeah, I know, did want to talk got, about that. So they've got 35, 45, 60, and 85. I mean, for one thing, that's a really tight range of lengths. And I mean, specifically like 35 versus 45, That's that doesn't feel like much of a difference. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking like standard lens sizes, uh, if full, talking full frame numbers, 24, 35, 50, 85. Right. So weird that there's no 24 but i get it anamorphic is hard on wide angle the 45 and the 60 are strange it's like they felt like they needed uh, a four lens pack and so mm-hmm. they, they split it up i don't know why they just didn't do 35 50 85 well and if and these are super 35 right so full frame equivalents like that 35 is close to a 50 right yeah it's basically 50 and then the the 60 is like a 75 roughly yeah so you're looking at 67 and a half which is the strangest focal length and then uh times one point the, the 60 yeah, would be a 90 yeah. and then the 85 would be like one thir- 135 one yeah. yeah so some of those make sense yeah so ni- yeah 90 makes sense i mean that's 90 85 roughly mm-hmm. uh so you're talking it's basically like 50 85 and 135 i still yeah. don't understand where this 45 makes sense yeah that seems weird unless you, I mean, the only thing i think is if you know you're trying to save money and you want to just get something that splits the difference but what's weirdest to me is that there's no wide angle one well, like I said, wide, wide angle is hard on anamorphic. And if you're making one for $5,000, they probably just couldn't do it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, maybe maybe they could, but like they couldn't do it within the budget and the constraints. Sure. Or they're trying to make a set that all has the same filter size and all sure. matches and, that and this sense. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it does feel a little weird, especially when they're specifically designed for Super 35. I guess if you got the full frame adapter speed yeah. slower, what do, what do they call it? Uh, full frame adapter? Anyways, whatever. If you got that, you could shoot 35 as no, because it, it would it would it would crop it in. It would have to crop it in or crop it out. <laughs> Crap, because it's gonna. It's weird because it's an anamorphic. I have no idea how that thing would work. Like, I just because of the the de squeeze and stuff like that. That well, probably you, changes the way yeah, it works. I mean, just just like just ignore that. If you had, oh my gosh, 
It's like it's like dealing with a uh, with a G no yeah because they make those GFX two full frame adapter deals. Oh boy, it probably doesn't crop in. I feel like it's almost like it's almost like you just take the can, can the, you, do- you you take like the pixels that the lens is giving you and you just spread them out. Like I feel like you would lose sharpness if anything. Sure. Well, but basically, well, they say that it resolves to full frame. So, I mean, I don't know what like the megapixel resolution, what megapixel these lenses will resolve out to. But anyways, I guess it's just 35, right? It's not weird or anything. You can, if you need something wider, like a 35 on full frame, you could put it on full frame and get 35. Yeah. That's probably what it, what it equates to. It's not like yeah. weird. That's, that's what you, have, you don't have to translate it back to full frame because it is full frame. Yeah. That's what I would guess. Yeah. Anyway, so I agree. Weird set of focal lengths. To me, I would think that you could you could get away with 35 to 85 and then one of the two. And I would probably pick the 60, I guess. That's yeah. closer to 80 true 85, which yeah. is 90. So Yeah. When you you know when you buy a casual fifteen thousand dollars of lenses. Yeah, you know, easy. Yeah, easy. If you just you're just picking yep. or whatever. Well, so I think that brings up an interesting question. A couple weeks ago we talked about the MacBook Pros. <laughs> is it MacBook Pro or one of these lenses? I mean, for me, that's a hard choice because <laughs> I would probably just get get the full set of nanomorphs, yeah. which wasn't an option. That, I mean, I think that is an option, though, because, you know, when I think about this, it's like these look really cool, but I kind of wonder a little bit who they're for. I mean, I know you said this is the budget film option, but I guess I just end up in a weird spot of like if you're buying these lenses, like who is the person that's buying this? I guess you're making an independent film. You think you're going to need them for a long time and Mm -hmm. it's saving you significant money over renting. But that's the only use case I can think of. Like I've always thought it'd be useful to buy an anamorphic lens just so that you could have quality time with it, learn how to use it, learn how to shoot with it. But if you're doing that, you know, something like a nanomorph seems like it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, maybe like a maybe like a film house. I mean, if you're shooting on things that are PL or this is way more like professional level than a nanomorph. Yeah. The gear sizes are more standard for those size lenses. Mm -hmm. And it I mean, it has like the back focus and all that stuff. So these are I mean, these are more like professional lenses versus the nanomorph, which is like, give me some give me some anamorphic on on the cheap. And I think that five literally five times the price. Yeah, exactly. Like if you and maybe if you're like an art house or something or like uh, your city's local like film society, sure, whatever. They may just have some, like maybe they have these on hand to rent out to their members for free or something. Yeah, or like if I was like if I was a school and I had a film program, I would say, yeah, let's buy these, buy twenty thousand dollars worth of lenses, and the kids can use them for their for their film projects. And yep. we didn't have to invest into really expensive yeah. Panavision glass or anything. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. So John Carpenter, he shoots or he used to shoot everything on the same the same set of lens lenses and and he would write the names of his movies on his anamorphic lens that's the life you want to live isn't it like so bad (laughs) i want i want like my baby and here's my whatever 35 or 50 millimeter anamorphic lens that i always shoot on and i like write the names of my movies on it or like scratch them in there oh That's so cool. Don't let your dreams be dreams. You know you're going to have to get one of those nanomorphs eventually. It's, yeah, it's it going to happen. happen. Like, I want to do that horror short. And when we do it, I want to get I want to get the nanomorph- anamorphic ones to, to shoot it on. So Well, we'll see. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah. The problem is that I, we need to shoot at multiple angles. And so I'm going to have to buy, like, two of the same lenses. I'm going to be like, Daniel, here is your birthday and Christmas <laughs> gift for the next two years. <laughs> I wonder if you could rent one. Yeah, I guess I probably could. Anyway... Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the 2X. I know we've been on this topic for a while, but the nanomorphs were Mm 1.5, which was interesting because most modern camera sensors that you're going to put that on are 3 by 2 
okay. the, pho- the photographer's aspect ratio. Panasonic sensors, which actually I don't know what the I don't know what the S5 Mark II is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to find that out, find that out. Actually, I'm gonna look it up. But like your your GH GH series cameras are four by three. Your Airy cameras are four by three. You know, it's it's more of like the film ratio. But if for like the nanomorphs. You take your 1.5, you put it on your 1.5 camera. Yeah, you're shooting 35. No, well, 3 by 2 is 1.5. So you put a 1.5 on a 1.5, it's, it's it's 3. Okay. And so you're shooting 3 to 1, which is really easily croppable down to 2.39 to 1. Jeez. So, I mean, that that kind of, that makes a lot of sense, right? But most, like, 4 by 3s you're going to shoot at 2x. And that's actually going to stretch it even, even more, because I think that's... I, I thought I wrote this down, but not quite. It's 2.6. And that is a, I think 2.4 to 1 is, yeah, 2.4. So 2.6, 2.4, you'd have to crop the sides off. So yeah. like you get a little extra coverage, but that's basically your 4 to 3 squeeze ratio. Mm, I mean, that seems better, right? Because you were saying 3 to 1, and then this is 2.6 to 1. So like that 2.6 to 1 seems like it's closer to what you want. Yeah, so like you want 2.39, 2.4 to 1. You know, maybe two point three five to one. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're shooting on a three by two, yeah, like the, the a, a four by three sensor on a two x squeeze is going to get you closer. Yeah. Than a three by two sensor on a one point five squeeze. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, like this, I mean, this is this is so much closer to what you would expect mm-hmm. out of a cinema anamorphic lens. Well, and plus, because it's a lar- a higher squeeze factor, it's just going to look more anamorphic. So it seems like it's right. just better in every way. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Like, it's it's built for, you know, you're going to shoot on your your red or whatever versus, you know, you're going to... Actually, this would look... This would go really well on, like, a uh, a red Komodo. Well, interesting. Now, that is that full frame or APS-C? Man, I don't know. I think it's full frame. Yeah. Anyway... So like it feels like the the like those it's it's a totally market split right your nanomorphs for your for your mirrorless and your sorry pro proteus for your, your set of cameras Nan- but nanomorph is a much cooler name it's true I mean it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty good yeah so I I, th- I think this is great like you know it's just getting getting two X at this price point yeah, yeah it's fantastic cool to see. and and I think Lawa makes pretty good lenses yeah. I mean, they, they they make decent stuff. I know that their uh, their cheap wide angles are pretty good for what they are. I mean, they're random focus, but like really rectilinear. They make like the nine millimeter Fuji X lens. That's mm-hmm. a good, that's a good lens. Yep. They don't make a nine millimeter anamorphic two X lens. That's a shame. But you know, maybe maybe that's coming out later. Yeah, with a, with its two hundred and fifty millimeter filter thread size. <laughs> it would be so absurd. Uh, so these are coming out in May. You know, we're looking at, as far as a release date. Okay. So not too far off. Yeah, I know. They're cool. Yeah. If yeah. I was if something I was in this world, your, something to put in a Christmas list. Yeah, I'm just gonna add it to add it to my add it to my wish list. <laughs> you know, along with all that other stuff. Cool. Well, what's next? Okay, A7C Mark II. Oh man, got some more Sony cameras, and we already did a Canon or we we already did a camera rumors 2023 roundup. So what's this? I mean, this is more just like a new rumor. It's looking like we're gonna see it this year. We've okay. been talking kind of around in circles of like. What's going what's going on with Sony? You know, your your A7 IV is two years old. Yep. Which fine, but like two to three years usually you see you see a refresh. And their budget category for the APS C cameras, four years old. Yeah. Right. I mean seems, seems to be gone at this point. Yeah. So like there's <laughs> like the low end has aged out for Sony. Yeah. Unless you're buying a, an FX thirty. It's like what do you what do you do? It seemed like they're they're you know, they're gonna work through their renewals, but it's looking like, you know, the rumor, or at least the rumor is that the A7 Mark, A7C Mark II will come out this year. Okay. The original one shipped for $1,700. So probably maybe similar price point. 
and uh, the, uh, rumors are that it's basically going to be it's basically an A7 IV, like all the same specs, which is what mm-hmm. they did before. They did the A7 III, they rewrapped it, and then they came out yeah. with the A7C. So it does kind of suggest that there must be a, a new version of the A7 IV coming. Right. That that should, in theory, be in, in imminent. Yeah. Because, I mean, otherwise, like, they're not going to do this. It would just undercut their existing product. Right. Unless I discontinue it. I haven't seen any rumors about the A7 V coming out anytime soon, but that has to be right around the corner. Yeah. I know that there is rumors for the A9. No, A1. Jeez. The A1 Mark II, mm, okay. which would be another flagship. Maybe it was the A9. Doesn't matter. We're talking about the A7C Mark II. 1800 bucks. It's basically an A7 IV. Do you think that this then dethrones the S5 Mark II as the most recommended camera in that price point? Or do you think that Lumix still has it with the feature set? I think it de- it wholly depends on whether you plan to take photos with it or not. Because I think the price isn't really that big of a deal. I mean, you're talking about a $200 difference between this and the S5 II. And so at that point, like it's 10% different. It's not that, not that much. Right. And it seems like the the video chops on this are not going to be as good as the S5 II. I mean, we talked no. when we talked about the S5 II, it seemed like it's at the forefront of video features, and Sony Sony in this range is not at that point. Like in terms of codecs and in terms of assist features and all that, they are just not at the same level. So I think for video, the answer would be no. I think Sony's option would be the FX30, but I think the S5 II is a much better choice. But if you want to do both, or if like if the autofocus is just absolutely critical to you or whatever, then I mean. This does seem pretty compelling, and I mean, it's a. I think the original A7C was pretty good, and if they've taken the A7 IV and basically dropped the price down, I think it could be the right camera for people that want to do a strong mix of video and photo. Uh, yeah, I think that the A7 IV is 33 megapixels, so pretty decent, pretty decent resolution for that price point. And yeah, like if you need it for photo. It's gonna that's it's gonna be the choice over the Lumix, but I always agree with everything you said. I mean, it the S5 Mark II is like the video camera at that price point. It's it's hard to recommend anything else over it unless you really need like raw recording or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Full frame camera, eighteen hundred dollars. That's a compelling offering. Sony will sell some of these A7C Mark IIs, and if I was in the market for a camera and it needed to be both a photo and video camera, I do think I'd be more inclined to go with this over the S5 II. I mean, I think the S5 II seems like it would be fine for photos, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like the, the Sony might be a little bit better for that. You, you could get it, and then you could get that Tamron thirty-five to one fifty f two to f two point eight. That you would never need. You just wouldn't need lens. anything else. You one just, lens. You could sell all the lenses and just have the one. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I guess you probably would need like an ultra wide zoom or something. Yeah, maybe. You, you could pick one of those up for cheap too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Seems cool. Not not too surprising, I guess, to see an update, but I like seeing good cameras for low prices. So looks good. Yeah, for sure. It's, I don't know, like Sony's got to fill out that bottom end. And so, you know, we'll, hopefully we'll see see yeah. more of that this year. And man, I'm, I'm still, I'm probably more excited for the APS-C lineup than this yeah. camera. Because this still isn't really low end. I mean, eighteen hundred dollars for most people is not a low end camera. Sure, but if I was, I mean, if I was coming into full frame, kind of out the gate, I would, I would strongly consider this. Yeah, mostly, mostly for the E mount lenses, um, and then yeah, I mean, I it, mean like it, if you need video, go Lumix. But anyways, yeah, cool. cool. Uh, any other, uh, any other news? out any new uh new products or anything? uh well i i showed you something on twitter the other day which was an all-white version of the aperture cob 60x and i was really disappointed that you didn't buy one it took every ounce of willpower 
not to buy but that. But Lucas, it was so light. white. It looks so good. It's like a stormtrooper light. I mean, I, I think I don't even think it's sold out yet. No, it's not. I, was, I looked earlier and it's still man, there. That was that was like half the thing. I was like, wow, this is gonna sell out in seconds. Mm-hmm. I have to buy it right now. Yeah. And then had a little more sense around me and I didn't do it. But man, like they even they even made the the light reflector hood thing. Uh huh. Even that's white. Even that's white. Yep. Ah! Yep. And and I mean it's a good light too. It's not like you know oh this light's not as good, but like this color is super cool. Like it's a really good light. Well, <laughs> I mean I've been looking for a reason. Like like I just need a reason. I need a reason to buy that light. Buy that light. Buy an uh, anamorph. Yeah. Just looking for a reason. I'd be I'd be a real professional. Yeah. I'd hold the light in one hand, my camera with my anamorph in the other, <laughs> just looking for something to shoot at. <laughs> so that's that's really cool. It's. They they're selling the the COBX not white one like you can get it for basically twenty dollars off you can get it like B and H or whatever for one eighty new yeah. dude I'd pay twenty bucks for the white for sure <sighs> yeah but like if you buy it from B and H and you you could get it tax free that's true so it's really more like thirty or thirty five dollars yeah. limited edition Lucas <sighs> limited edition uh, it'd be so cool yeah. Those lights really are good, though. I'm so happy with mine, and are, they're super useful for travel. Do you still think it's worth paying the extra to get the X over the D? I do think so. I mean, when I looked, it was about $40 difference. It's like 160 versus 200 I don't know if that's still the same now, but I think it is worth it because you never know when you're going to need to match other light in a scene. Like, if you're trying to match natural light, then maybe you need to be able to adjust that color temperature. It could also make it more useful if it's an accent light. You just want to use it to cast some light on a wall or something. Maybe you purposely want to shift the white balance. So the difference in overall brightness is pretty minor. The difference in price is maybe a little bit more. But if you're not buying it on a super tight budget, I say eat the extra $40. Get the one that can go you know, through a range of yeah. white balances. I think that's going to prove to be more useful. I mean, it's, it's even less than that right now. So it looks like you're talking 170 versus 200 It's like 30 bucks. Yeah. And right now it's one fifty versus one eight, which oh, that's still thirty dollars. Yeah. Never mind. So it's no, like thirty dollar difference. No question though. Thirty dollars, like it just gives you a lot more capability. I mean, this is this is like classic Apple style price hiking because you're walking in the door, you're like, I'm gonna spend hundred fifty dollars on this light. Yeah. And then you're walking out and you spent two hundred dollars because you had to get the white version. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> but it's so good. Start my life. Oh well. So I'm, I was really excited about that. I'm gonna keep trying not to buy it. Hopefully they sell out before I break down. Mm-hmm. So we're just. We're playing a game of chicken right now. I'm yeah. an aperture. Yeah. I'll have to keep reminding you about that. Jeez. All right. <laughs> All right. Do we have time to talk about my, my YouTube video? I think we do. Yep. Okay. Jeez. All right. So I'm working on this video that I'm going to post to my channel. And it's about the firmware for... That's the one that we're working on now that we're talking about. Yeah. So I, I, have, I have two things in, in the works. But we're, let's, let's talk about the firmware thing. So we went out and we shot a firmware comparison between on the XH2S for 1.02 versus 3.0. It's supposed to have fixed all the autofocus stuff. And I went, th- I, we shot it and then well, we talked about it here on the podcast, but that was before, before we did all the testing. So like we shot a bunch of footage and then I went through it and then I edited this whole thing. And I'm like this close to finishing this video. And while I was working on it, oh boy, I started messing with the, uh, the smart mask feature in DaVinci Resolve. Which is super, super, <laughs> super cool. So you what does like, that what does that do for you? You can basically you can like mask out parts of parts of your image, which is like if you want to crop out a subject or crop out a background or say you want to replace the sky with something else, you can mask out the sky That's and make cool. it go away. And so what I was doing was I was masking out my subject and then I was putting that as like a top level layer 
in the timeline, and then I had the normal clip below it, mm-hmm. and I'm sandwiching text between the two. Okay, so you're so getting, that, getting some depth. In yeah, so shot. I'm getting depth. I'm putting text behind things, and it's just like it's so good. You, yeah, you basically like open up the magic mask, and you take this like your mouse, and you draw a little blue line around, not around your subject. You just kind of like touch it, give it a bunch of sample points. Yeah, you don't have to be precise at yeah, all. Yeah, not precise at all. Like super quickly go meh, kind of detect this area, and then it just does it, and it does it almost perfectly yeah and that's then, cool and then you just like hit track and then it tracks all the frames it's it's like really really cool so i got super pumped and i overdid it i had like nine thousand eight hundred frames of magic <laughs> mask in this 20 minute video that i'm gonna post <laughs> this video does not need to be 20 minutes long i just can't restrain myself yeah that sounds right and it took 10 hours <laughs> just to just to detect on that on the masks i did it with all the proxy footage i you know one quarter proxies in ProRes. And then whenever I went to export, I plugged in my drive. And so it had to remask everything. And it I didn't expect it to take four <laughs> times as long. It was, it was ridiculous. It freaking took 10 hours. And then after that, it still took another seven and a half oh, hours man. to export the video after I did all of the uh, the noise reduction and color and everything. And and this is oh, the geez. this is on the M1 MacBook Air. Yeah, right? the M1 MacBook Air. Yeah. Which is an amazing computer that it can even do it can even do half this stuff mm-hmm. but oh boy i'm sure as you were watching that progress bar you were thinking about one of those new computers oh, geez. i was like this is a paralyzed task yeah this computer has eight gpus if i had 32 gpus it would be it's not three three times eight yeah three no four it'd be four times faster geez that's like me way too long to yeah, do that math sure it <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day okay <laughs> everyone just needs to calm down Four times faster. Plus, it's the, plus it has all those like accelerators and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's no telling what those accelerators Jeez, could man, do for it, you. It probably the neural, the neural engine. I mean, you just don't even know. Jeez, I mean, like it probably does use neural engine for that task. It, it would have. I, I can only imagine that it would have taken my 16, 18 hour export task, and like maybe maybe it would have been two. That is a long export. Because because I don't know about you, but when I do a video, I always export it, and then when I watch it back, it doesn't it doesn't matter how many times I watch it in the in the editor. When I watch it back after exporting, I always find something wrong. Yeah, well, like you like you go back and watch um, Tyler Stallman's video on his comparison between the M1 Max and the M2 Max. Even if you throw noise reduction on it and you have you know maxed out M1 Max MacBook Pro, DaVinci Resolve will still make your computer stutter. Yeah, whenever you apply yeah, noise reduction, you, you can't really play back in real time in the editor. Not in full res not when not with not with how computationally because the noise reduction is like every single frame it's got to do its thing Mm -hmm. and so i like i had to export it and like the noise isn't quite right and i messed up some stuff i'm gonna have to export it again yeah and so i gotta get it right this next time but in going through all this you know most of it was face detect but we tested face detect stuff in 120 60 24 6k 4k so a mix of resolutions right and that matters because like if you're shooting in high frame rate, then it reduces the amount of autofocus frames you have because mm-hmm. the camera is constantly scanning at a certain speed. But certain certain of those images go to autofocus, and a certain number of those images go to saving to to your card. Yeah, for the the video. So I didn't really see too much performance degradation between. 120 and 24 there was a little bit 24 was obviously better when comparing the two there were some cases where it just didn't matter 
like both 1.02 and 3.0, you know, function the same. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching the cameras as we were doing this, I, you know, I couldn't watch it as closely side by side as what you had, but it looked really close. Yeah. It's, it's hard in some cases where like you kind of want to watch the, like the ninja footage of the, of the screen tracking because you can watch the box of where it's trying to focus on, but that isn't always what it's doing. Sometimes like the box may be over here but it's actually still in focus. Well, that's what I was going to say. That does introduce another potential failure point because like, you, you, you don't necessarily have it guaranteed that what the camera is staying it's focusing on is what it's actually focusing on. Right, because, I mean, it's kind of a feedback loop of like, this is what I'm going to try to try to focus on, but obviously it's it's focusing and doing its computations much faster than it's refreshing the box on the screen or whatever. Right. But what I found was that if you're if you're like looking at the camera and or you're just like you have one person in the frame, and that one person is, is looking at the camera. It's it's basically a hundred percent, but that's not a change from the one point oh two. Yeah, because yeah. like we compared the two, and I have this you know me standing there at a one point four aperture lens, and like it just doesn't miss. Right, mm-hmm. you just you talk to the camera. It's not pulsating. It's fine. So like that still works good. It didn't get worse. It didn't get better. But some of the stuff where it was like moving through the frame or not looking directly at the camera. Yeah, or like you walk away and then come back. Or yeah, that got that was better. So, I mean, okay. maybe 20% better, like for every time that the 1.02 missed, maybe the 3, 3.0 missed, you know, a fourth of that, that amount. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's significant. So it's, it's better in those edge cases. Um, they added the drone detection, the insect detection and that stuff. It does, it detects those things better. So like that was improved. Uh, but you know, overall, I think it's, it's a decent update. You know, it's, it's nice that they're doing it. I just, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was, it was, you know landmark or anything yeah if you didn't like the autofocus before it's not like this would change your mind no not not really i, I think i said this in my video or I may have cut this out but like there was a there, whenever they came out with the xt4 they pushed an autofocus update to the xt3 and that felt huge it got significantly better as far as autofocus and for this like we tested all this in video i didn't do the photo stuff the photo actually has tracking and like it's it's a bit different but anyways that that uh xt3 update when XC4 came out was was huge, and this this one, it's not that huge. Yeah, it, it feels different. Like the jump from the XT3 or the XT4 to the XH2S felt more significant as far as autofocus performance. Interesting. Than this upgrade from 1.02 to firmware three. Yeah. So it's like amount of context of like how much better is it? It's it's better. It's more sticky. It still does the thing where like if you have two faces in the frame, it's going to focus on one and it's not going to let go of it until that face leaves the frame. So you can't like pick between two faces. Mm. You can't you still can't like select a subject in photo. You can you can like focus on this. You can touch it or you can half shutter on it and it'll try to lock onto that subject. You still can't do that in video. Mm, So, I mean, it it still feels like it's a step behind in just user interface features. And it's just it just got better at at what it was already doing. Yeah. 20 percent better. That kind of thing. Well, we're not going to turn it down, right? Like that's that's good improvement, but yeah, I don't. I feel like I'm complaining, and I don't necessarily want to complain because, like, you know, keep keep giving us those those updates. It's yeah. nice to see, you know, something that I bought continuously improving, and it is an improvement. So, mm-hmm. like, yay, thank you. But also, you know, as far as putting it in context, I don't feel like anyone really needs to race out and upgrade to 3.0 before their next shoot. Yeah, it's just like you know, when you have time, go ahead and make the update. Right, right. I was more disappointed they didn't fix some of the bugs we have. Like, yeah. Like if they're messing with the autofocus, it sure have been nice if they would have fixed some of the weirdness where you can't select certain focus modes depending on other settings on the camera. I mean, it's, there seems like there's a lot of weird stuff there. The most annoying thing to me right now is if you're in photo mode and you touch the screen to focus on something, it basically does the same thing as if you half shutter. 
like if you, and it goes into like focus tracking mode. Mm-hmm. And when it's actively focus tracking, you can only change exposures that are tied to dials, which is really just, it's frustrating. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I tapped on the screen. Now I'm focusing on this thing. Now I want to change my ISO. I can't. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to half press the shutter. Oh, I'm still stuck in this mode. And mm-hmm. the back button, I'm still stuck in this mode. Where on the screen do I have to press to exit this stupid focus tracking mode? Oh, this top little corner piece right here. Yeah. That's all really annoying. But like you can change your exposure compensation. You can change your aperture. You can change your shutter speed because those are all tied to dials. Mm-hmm. Can't change your ISO. That just feels like a huge miss. And it's just, it's kind of frustrating that like in photo with the autofocus stuff, you can still like get locked in this mode. And you can't, you know, set your ISO to a dial. And just, yeah. yeah like, I, I was really hoping to see stuff like setting ISO to a dial. Like, it just seems like such low-hanging fruit. I was hoping we would see mm-hmm. that in that update. Yeah. It's just, there's so many, like, just little stupid bug things, yeah. which... Just rough edges. I mean, yeah, rough edges. Like, it, you can complain about this on any camera manufacturer, but this is the camera that I have, yep. so I can complain about yep. this and it just seems so simple. It's like this is not a complicated feature. I mean, it, the the autofocus improvements seem like such right. such more work. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeez. Like give one one engineer a day to fix some of these annoyances. But. Yeah. So maybe maybe with three point one or something. Yeah, something to hope for. Yeah. There was a uh, there was a problem with these firmware updates for some of the older cameras where if you updated with the app instead of downloading the firmware on an SD card and flashing it, which I didn't even know you could do. Yeah. I mean, every time I connect the app on my phone, it's like, do you want to update the firmware? Well, for older cameras, it was breaking their camera. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I guess if you're a Fuji shooter out there and like, and you haven't updated and you have, like, an X-T4, don't, don't do it with the app. Yeah. Like, well, they, they did release a new firmware update yeah. for those. So, so maybe if you use the app now, maybe it pulls that new one. Okay. I guess that, that it's probably fixed. Be careful. <laughs> I've never done it with the app. I'm like, I don't trust Bluetooth. Yeah. It's going to like miss a byte or something. Yeah. Or like or drop halfway through the, the mm-hmm. transfer. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Not doing that. Yeah. So SD card. I've, I've always just used the SD card. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's that's kind of it. You know, I'll probably have more complete thoughts in an edited video. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably probably don't watch it. <laughs> well, if that's up by the time this episode's up, then we'll link it in the show notes. Maybe. So we'll, may, all, maybe we'll link it. Uh, I'll, I'll link it when you're not looking so that all of our <laughs> listeners can look at your video. That's, that's terrible. Got to put a name to the face oh, or whatever, geez, right? No, it's, I'm not happy with it. Like, after letting it render for 18 hours, I'm like, well, I have to post it. Yeah, you do. But, like... Sunk cost. Jeez. Oh, like, I'm not super happy with the A-roll. And it's going to be 36 just, hours like, of rendering by the time you're done. I know. Minimum. I just... And, like, I spend so much time on it, and I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of helpful, but... Yeah, just, you've just you're just at that point where you hate the video you made. Well, you all have that every time you make a video, there's a point where you're just like, "This is the worst video I've ever seen." You know what? You're right. And that it's just, true. That just means you have finally spent enough time working on it. <sighs> well, I know what I'm going to do better next time. So I've already <laughs> improved, and I guess we'll just we'll right. put it out in the world and let the haters. hate. Well, I think everybody should send you an email and tell you what you did wrong. That's as well. Right? Awful. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but go ahead. I guess I'll just <laughs> delete them. Or whatever. <laughs> Don't need your approval. <laughs> He's actually desperate for your approval. <laughs> Please just give it to me. <laughs> well, you got, got anything else for today? I have, I have one more thing. All right. Let's hear it. Canon is rumored to be working on a camera sensor that has 24 stops of dynamic range. That, that's a lot. That's a lot of stops. Mm-hmm. Full, full stop. Full Stop. You know how many you know how many stops of dynamic range the Airy thirty five has? I don't know. Fifteen? Like seventeen. Seventeen. Maybe eighteen. Okay. That's quite a bit. But this is 
a lot more. This is a one inch sensor. And like you, you'll, you see these things all the time where it's like, this sensor is blah, 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 blah. And Canon's working on it, but it's for like, you know, specific manufacturing type applications. Yeah, it's like on a factory line mm-hmm. or something. This is this is like security camera. It's a okay. one inch sensor, 24 stops of range. It's for security cameras. It's sure. not for a DS, like a DSLR mm-hmm. mirrorless camera or whatever. But technology is technology. And maybe it could work its way into, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is just like the first one they've done. And mm-hmm. supposedly human eyeballs are like 21 to 22, 23 stops. Okay. So, so like better if, than you, that. if you get 24, I mean, 24 is just a magic number. It's the one true frame rate and it's the peak amount of dynamic range uh, that you need for your camera sensor. There you go. Yeah. It's just 24. Perfect. One number to remember. So what they're doing was why I want to talk about this because it's interesting to me. Uh, you know how local dimming works with like H, like if you have an HDR screen that's an LCD. Yeah, it's like there's a bunch of there's a grid of lights behind it, and it only turns on the ones that it needs to. And if there's a black part portion of the screen, it doesn't turn that light on. Right, but also it can vary the intensity. So yeah. if you have a high dynamic range image, and like this portion of it is black and this portion's white, it can turn on the areas at like right. different brightness levels to right. create that HDR effect. This does that but on a camera sensor level. And so it has like 700 something individual regions Mm -hmm. and each of those regions is able to capture a certain amount of range. And so like the whole sensor isn't necessarily doing this, like this pixel can't capture like this full range or whatever it can, but it's not trying to do all this image at once. It is capturing at once, but it's like this section is handling the exposure from, you know, zero to five stops or whatever. Or I guess you could, you would have to call it in Luma, but. This makes it sound like really what it's doing is like it can vary the ISO across the. Yeah, sensor. that's that's essentially what it's doing. And so it's like this part of the image, you can capture, you know, your stops that are, you know, yeah. from 20 to 24. Yeah. And so it, it would look awful if you took a picture like this because it would have the, all these blocky regions that are different, like ISO grains and that sort of thing. But if it's for a security camera and sure. you need to be able to see the outside of a car and the inside of a car, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for a security mm-hmm. camera and it does sound like pretty cool technology. I mean, if the noise could be the same or if there's software that could denoise it sure. appropriately, then. Well, I guess like if you're, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking like an ISO invariant sensor, but it's still a matter of like, you know, ISO 1000 and ISO 100 bump to 1000 are going to have the same noise. Yeah. But you still have to have that amount of sensitivity. Yep. Or, I mean, like if you look at what, you know, cameras that shoot in some sort of HDR, they just bump the ISO to get that top range out. Mm-hmm. And then your shadows are just a little noisier. Yeah. I mean, that all seems possible, but like ultimately you're going to have an image that's dark in some areas, bright in others, and you're going to have different noise if it's doing that by varying the ISO. I just, I wonder if like on the infinite time scale, if you had per pixel ISO determination for your dynamic range and the sensor was like stacked, so you got all that sweet readout. I mean, like, I guess they're kind of doing this with, with dual gain, right? It's like they're reading the sensor at two different gains mm-hmm. and then combining the image. And I guess we also have to point out that it's it's probably not literally changing the ISO. No. Because if it was, then you could shoot in raw and get the same effect. True. Like it can kind of, like when you take one image, it can only read like within a certain range per yeah. region or yeah, whatever. Like, like electrically or something. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's at something. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. It is, it is interesting. And, you know, it's, this is kind of like the first of, you know, this and this application. We'll see where it goes. I mean. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see new stuff. I mean, like it kind of reminds me of that Bosma 8K camera we yeah. talked about where it's like 
that camera doesn't really make sense for anybody to buy, but just seeing an 8K video camera kind of like gives you an image of what might be coming a few years from now in sure. a more consumer friendly, like more realistic packaging. Yeah. I mean, like in the immediate future, like stacked sensors are going to work their way down through the line and higher resolutions. And like once we get consistent, good stacked full frame sensors, it's going to solve most of the issues that you have with complaining about Super 35 sure. as far as like rolling shutter and read speeds and that sort of thing and blah, blah. But you know, stack sensors are coming down the line, but then like you look farther and farther out and it's, you know, these dual gain sensors and something like this with the whatever HDRification of yeah. you know, regions of the sensor. Yep. So Yeah, it doesn't, the industry doesn't sit still. I mean, it seems like there's always mm-hmm. something new to look forward to. Yeah, seems pretty cool. And yeah. it's good to see uh, uh, sensor rumors and, uh, you know, interesting technology from not Sony. Yeah. Yeah, not much of that. Canon, Canon's one of the only other ones, though. There's a rumor that Nikon might be developing their own sensor. Oh, man. Yeah, we, watch out. We had, we had to mention Nikon. <laughs> we hadn't said it one time. <laughs> Everyone's Slid gonna, in at the end. They're going to forget. They're just going to forget. <laughs> <laughs> that is our goal, is to make people not forget Nikon. Yep. That's, well, you know, we are the uh, the Nikon podcast. Yep, the Nikon Fujicast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fujicon. <laughs> Cast. All right, let's go ahead and call it there. Cool. That's it for the show today. Thanks for listening, and we'd encourage you to rate the show on iTunes and tell a friend, but only if you enjoyed it. You can find out more about us on our website at cameragearpodcast.com. We'll be back with more next week.